listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. recording my sermons on Wednesdays lately because of the bandwidth issues we've been having during our Sunday live streams. And I have to tell you, it feels like a year has passed since last Wednesday when I recorded my last sermon. And my heart has been heavy. In fact, I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine this week. We were sharing with one another how heavy pastoring can feel at times like this when there's just so much pain. And and there's also this false pressure that we as pastors put on ourselves to have everything figured out. And yet the truth is that I'm just a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. And there's a prayer that I've been praying from Scripture. It's actually a prayer by King Solomon. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. I want to read it for you. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? And that's been my prayer. Uh, You know, sometimes as pastors... We have to pastor even when we feel ill-equipped, and I feel that today. But the message I'm going to preach today needs to be preached. It needs to be said, and it won't be said perfectly. I won't be able to provide all the nuance required. I am a beggar, begging for bread just like you, but I need to preach this sermon because the church, specifically the white church, needs to recognize, repent, respond, and rise up to the challenge and the opportunity that's in front of her. And so just a heads up, my sermon is going to be a heavy one today, but these are heavy times. And they're heavy times because our country is dealing with two deadly viruses at once. One virus is only a couple months old. It surprised us. It pulled the rug out from under us. It's, we've seen over 100,000 people die. We, we see f- over 40 million people unemployed. It's distanced us, it's disrupted our lives in just a few short months. But the other deadly virus that we're fighting has been infecting America for over 400 years. And that's the virus of racism. And as fatigued as I feel, as heavy-hearted as I feel, I can't even begin to imagine how fatigued and heavy-hearted my black and brown brothers and sisters must feel. Because they're fighting both these viruses 
on all fronts. And they've been fighting one of them their entire lives. And what makes it even more heavy and more fatiguing is, is this. We don't know when we'll have a vaccine for COVID-19. Everyone's hoping we get one soon. But until we get one, COVID isn't going away. But we already have a vaccine for racism. But it is white people, we're refusing to take it. Because we've convinced ourselves that racism isn't a problem. That racial injustice doesn't exist. And we've allowed it to spread unchecked. And it's literally killing our black and brown brothers and sisters. And and until we as white people take it seriously, it's not going away. And so I want to preach on three words today. And those three words are recognizing, repenting, and responding. Because I want to be part of a church that does these three things well. Just so you know, I'll be preaching to myself today. I'm in my office. It's a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, You're not here. But if you want to listen in, you can. So we started a new sermon series a few weeks ago called Rhythms. And to keep in line with that theme, I'm going to approach these three words, recognizing, repenting, and responding, as rhythms we can develop and practice as a church and as followers of Jesus. So the first word I want to look at is recognizing. And I'm going to call this one the rhythm of lament. You know, when the COVID-19 pandemic first hit, we were in a sermon series called Lamentations. And for those of you who are new to the Bible, Lamentations is a book in the Old Testament, and it's comprised of five lament poems. And in these lament poems, we find God's people venting their anger and dismay over the suffering they're experiencing. And so they're recognizing that things are not as they should be. And so we can't practice the rhythm of lament without first recognizing and naming those things which shouldn't be. Which means this. We have to stop believing that what happened to George Floyd is just an isolated event. We have to recognize that we've been socialized in superiority as white people. We have to recognize that we have been maintaining a white perspective that's quarantined us. And it's quarantined us from the unjust suffering that people of color experience on a regular basis. And we have to start naming and calling out systemic racism. And that hasn't been done. And it hasn't been done because... We don't want to believe that systemic racism and police brutality exist in our country. And, and believe me, I am not painting with a broad brushstroke here, so hear me out. I know there are good police officers who are true public servants, and they have a tough job right now. We need to pray for them. But that being said, we simply can't ignore 
police brutality and racial injustice either. We have to stop believing the false narratives that we tell ourselves. You know, we're one nation under God. We're a Christian nation. We're favored by God. Our systems can't be unjust. George Floyd must have done something. He must have done something else that we're not seeing for the police to do that. No. That kind of of self-talk quarantines us from what's really happening. It prevents us from believing the true narrative that the cry and lament from people of color is real. When Eric Garner and George Floyd said, I can't breathe, they were telling the truth. But white superiority didn't believe them. And we have to recognize that for what it is. We have to. We have to name it and we have to lament it on a regular basis. Not just when it's on front of our TVs. The second word that I want to unpack a little bit is repenting. And I'm going to call this the rhythm of confession. And I have a scripture I want to read from the book of Matthew chapter 4. And starting in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Let me just pause there and say this again. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, this is of course referring to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was arrested for protesting King Herod's actions. And John the Baptist is not the only person in the Bible to protest, by the way. Jesus protested in the temple by flipping over the tables of the money exchangers. Paul and Silas protested in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16, after being wrongfully beaten and arrested by Roman authorities, they realized that they had made a mistake and asked Paul and Silas to leave the city of Philippi quietly, and Paul and Silas refused. They said, no, we will not. And they demanded that the officials would come to the jail and personally escort them out in public. So protest is biblical. That's another sermon. Let me keep reading. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah, in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. A definition for repentance is turning away from your sin and turning toward God. 
And so we're told that after Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and nights, and, and he's about to launch his public ministry after John has been arrested, that Jesus began preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, repent because your sin doesn't translate into God's kingdom. The kingdom of God doesn't look like this. And because the kingdom is near, you need to start getting ready for it now. See, repentance not only makes us aware of our need for God and his forgiveness, it also aligns us with God's mission in the world. And that's why we as white Christians need to repent of racial injustice and our complicity in it. And so I want to take a moment right now to publicly repent for my own complicity and silence as your friend and your pastor. And you might think, Adam, what are you talking about? I've heard you talk about racism in your sermons on Sunday. Yeah, maybe, but I've only gone as far as I wanted to go. Just to the edge of complacence, of being uncomfortable, right? And then backing off. And God is showing me that as a white person and as a white pastor, it's not enough to be non-racist. I have to fully commit to being anti-racist. And I haven't done that. I've gone as far as I've wanted to go. And so I just want to take a minute to repent publicly before God right now for that. And I want to ask all my friends of color to forgive me for being too complacent. And to my church family, I'm sorry for not leading myself and our church far enough into recognizing racial injustice, repenting of racial injustice, and responding to racial injustice. So please forgive me. I want to look at one more word, um, responding. And I'm going to call this the rhythm of education and action. See, I think the, the temptation that you and I will face once this leaves the headlines is to stop caring about it and not commit ourselves to the long game. So... What we need is we need a lasting, long-term, committed, dedicated, enduring response. And that response is going to require both education and action. And I'll say this, you and I as white people, we have to take ownership of our learning. 
And it's important that we're careful not to burden people of color with all of our feelings and questions. We need to listen. We need to be proactively listening. We need to learn. We need to empathize with people of color while placing as little emotional burden on them as possible. And here's why. They're dealing with racial injustice on multiple fronts. They are advocating, they are educating, they're sorting through their own trauma, and we can't expect them to do all the heavy lifting for us. That's part of the problem. And we have to be sensitive to that. We have to be sensitive to everything that they're carrying. Another thing we need to keep in mind as we formulate our own response to racial injustice is how do we speak up and speak out when we witness it in our everyday lives? That includes speaking up and speaking out um, with our friends, our coworkers, even our family members. And it'll be uncomfortable. It will cost us something. But it will also cost us something if we don't speak up and speak out. Do you know that the very first question God... I'm sorry. The very first question that man asked God was, Am I my brother's keeper? God was asking Cain where his brother Abel was because God knew that Cain had acted unjustly toward his brother and killed him. And so God said, where's your brother Abel? And, and Cain responded and said, am I my brother's keeper? And God said, Cain, your brother's blood is crying out from the ground. And for 400 years in this country, in the United States, Blood has been crying out from the ground. And yet we're still asking the same question. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are. So we need to fully commit ourselves to that. Our response needs to consider how we have conversations with our kids. Our response needs to look for opportunities to join people of color in peaceful protest. We need to vote, not just in national elections, but local ones, which are even more important. It's the mayors and the county executives who appoint police chiefs. It's local district attorneys who decide what to investigate and what not to investigate. And so our response has to be broad and it has to involve an ongoing rhythm of education and action. All right, I've said enough. I, I wanna leave you with one final uh, verse and prayer. And the verse I wanna read is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and heal their land 
Let's pray. God, we come before you with heavy hearts. And we know that your heart is heavy as well. Holy Spirit, will you help us Will you help us create rhythms of responding, repenting, recognizing? The racial injustice that's in our land and that we're complicit in as the white church. God, will you give us courage, strength that we need? Will you lead us? We know you're out in front of this, Lord, so uh, give us the strength to follow you and to be um, your people. Lord, help us to humble ourselves and to look to you and to be there for um, our friends of color, our black and brown brothers and sisters. God, we pray for your protection. God, as heavy as our heart feels, their heart is more fatigued and heavy. So we ask that you help them, protect them, watch over them. We thank you, God, for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for the kingdom. And we respond to Jesus' teaching to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, so we do that today. And we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And we ask God that you would heal our land. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.